0: Bismillah Walhamdulillah alhamdulillah wa salatu wa s ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man Assalamu alaikum. back
1: to a brand new episode. Today we are joined by our lovely Dawa lead, Dawa co-lead, Aisha. Wa alaikum wa wa
2: rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sisters.
0: Hello, hello, Aisha. Tell us about yourself. With about the basic myself. questions we've been asking everyone. What are you studying? What your background in uni is? Yeah, so I'm a
2: third year... Social work student. Oh, what else do you want to know about me? That I like cats. <laughs> if, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. How many cats do you have? I have three cats.
1: Oh, nice. Oh. They have
2: and one got missing recently, but I
1: found her. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <cool. laughs> it's like this really expensive stray ragdoll cat it ke- and it has a collar and everything and keeps coming to my house really i should take it it yeah. doesn't
0: belong to it. it has a collar
1: it's got a collar oh, it can it's come still there once like I, felt, I thought it was cute at first but then like i had the door closed and it was
0: like, ah! like, oh, like no. And i was like Dude, this is freaking satanic oh, i have this cat that without doubt every single night will run into our shed oh wow so Aww, literally just
2: looking for a home guys it's come on. okay but like it, it, no, it
0: was no, already no. owned I s- maybe it's blind or something because I swear every single night we hear a clang into the shed <gasps> oh. but no one goes outside no <laughs> way. just like dismiss but it this one
1: cat like the ragdoll like it literally is like meow and he was literally scratching oh my, my door so he wanted to come in and I, and I actually got kind of like I was like this is kind of scary though I got scared that why is I, scary why does I want to come in
0: and it was like at the middle of the night like it was literally like 1am it was like meow it was like knocking on my door imagine if animals could speak and they can tell you what they want I'm do you, like different cat noises mean different things yeah. Or is it just, like... Yeah, they, they actually y- do. Interesting. Have you ever... Uh, so, like, you know your cats? I can't really see you. <laughs> I love how this is turning into a, like, cat because you're... S- yes. no, yeah, what happened? I At thought I was introducing myself. We'll, we'll get back to that. We'll I thought I was introducing it. myself. What happened? We'll, we will digress. We'll I'm the digre- but we We'll you? get back. <laughs> your cats, have you, like, had them when they were older? <laughs> or have you... Because i always wondered, like for people have you ever raised a cat from as soon as it was born yeah what's the connection like so the one is there
2: a connection the youngest one that we have yeah so he was born in my room um, and he's literally like a dog he like rolls everywhere and he's super friendly and the other ones we got them from like another person like a breeder yeah and they're not as close like they don't come Mm. up to us as much do they eat cat food or do you
0: like give them just normal home food.
2: No, no, we give them the cat food. And Uh, if there's extra meat, sometimes give them
0: chicken. My family overseas, they have a few cats and they don't feed them cat food. Like, whatever my grandma makes, they're like... They only eat Lebanese food, I swear. Whoa. That's literally their whole diet. That's,
2: that's the children. That's <laughs> The cats are the children. They don't, they don't get
0: cat food home anymore. Literally, whatever my family's eating, they give them to the cats. It's actually so funny. Like, if they're eating, like they'll be eating rice, soup, whatever. <laughs> anyway, now we return to... That was the biggest digression. I, uh, I, literally, I was, like, really thinking
1: about it. Like, wow, that was a really interesting conversation. It's there The, uh, yeah, the okay. most
0: unexpected ones. You know, it's not not to have a cat. You, you know, know, we actually <laughs> usually we have a like a few uh, like some ideas of what we're gonna talk about, but it actually came out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I
1: like it. I like I like this. Uh, I like these types of turns. Yeah,
0: and hopefully you guys like them too. Yes, leave us a review. That's why this. <laughs> no, okay. Sorry. All right, Aisha. The another thing we wanted to speak about was you've had a really big role in the MSA and specifically being part of the shorter. So walk us through first of all how you got involved in the MSA in general and then how you found your way into your shorter role yep so I think my first contact with the
2: MSA was actually pretty early on so it was the first or second week of uni during the the welcome Mm barbecue and to be honest I only went there because Joanne and Tuba were going that's so we if (laughs) if you have been
0: keeping up with our episodes you'll know we spoke about this in Tuba's episode yeah
2: so I only went there because they were going there and subhanallah when I went when I went there I didn't expect to feel so welcomed and to just feel like people were so non-judgmental of me even though they've never met me and like coming you know from a background of of almost some school like I was used to that environment and then coming into uni my first day of uni honestly was the biggest shocker I was like Felt so alone, like I was literally drowning. But and then coming into that space with that sister's barbecue, Sapanalor. I think probably the most notable person that I do remember there was hajab She was the Dawah Co-Lead at that moment, uh, Sapanalor. When I met her, it was it was so funny. We were just like to each other. We know each other from somewhere. Like we recognize each other's faces, and we're like we don't we just don't know where we know each other. It was like we've seen each other I don't know in our childhood on a dream or something and yeah until this day like I don't know where you I know, know her where from oh. but yeah and then shortly after that Welcome barbecue. I came across the Dawah stores I think it was probably the next week or so and honestly I was I w- walked up to the Dawah stores Alhamdulillah the girls were there so Hajjo and a few other girls that I met were there and I just remember feeling so like confused I was just like why are you guys here? Who's endorsing you? Who's sponsoring you? What's happening? What is? What is? It? I was so confused. I was like, I didn't understand. Okay, but we went into the COVID, uh, the COVID lockdown. Mm-hmm. So that was the end of in-person presence at uni, and how I eventually joined the show, I guess, um, was after kind of that lockdown at the end of the year. Where they had like a shira meeting, and I just went because again Joanna Tubo were going. And I was like, I didn't really expect to go to get a position. I didn't expect at all to be uh, to get that dial coded position. I think a bit of context actually before I go into that role as why why I probably got that position was because during that lockdown, it wasn't hamzalet. It was as much as I hated the lockdown, it was a very good time for like. Self-reflection and like getting getting to know like what is me questioning myself. What is my purpose in life? You 100%. know, Allah has everyone. Everyone has a purpose, and in order to worship Allah, everyone has different roles. And I was questioning myself a lot, and I was reading a lot. I was getting to know more about Islam, my religion, and yeah. And there was like a dawah chat that. I don't know how I got into, but I was it was an MSA Dawah chat and people would ask a lot of intellectual questions and I just felt so compelled to answer them. And another influencer for me of why I got into that position, I guess, during the lockdown I was also very involved with, I started to get actually very involved with the the Yomay, which is like a masjid, pretty close to me, and they they actually so panel like they inspired me not only in my degree but they also inspired me in like you know the importance of Dawa and the importance of helping others because you know Allah helps you as long as you help others and yeah so cut back to the end of the year and Hadja contacted me and she's like I really think you should be Dawakulid I was like okay I'm I don't really think I'm you know at in any position to take your role and I was like I I can't do it I was I was in denial and everything and I was talk to my parents and they're like just do it Sakara just you know this this role is has so much value so just go for it and I was like okay
0: maybe we'll work out and that was the start of an era yeah that was the start (laughs) what uh you mentioned that the UMA helped you with your degree yeah in what sense so I think it was during Year 12 when I first went
2: to the UMA. I went there during the Ramadan and also they had a few workshops actually by like psychologists and like social workers mm. and different people in the community. And I just, uh, because Year 12, as you know, is a very stressful time. I was going through a lot and even things outside of Year 12, I was also going through things and I... Subhanallah, I went to that workshop. I remember uh, one of their workshops and it uh, kind of did inspire me. It was one of the many things that did to kind of pursue that avenue of helping the Muslim community in terms of their psychological needs, their, um, the, you know, their mental needs and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was kind oh. of what inspired me.
1: I feel like it's really interesting how you do social work. It's just like such an interesting...
2: Yeah. Path. Uh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny because like most, <laughs> most Muslim females like that I know at campus they like do like STEM. Or it was actually yeah. what I was originally going to do. I was going to do like something STEM related because as as because uh, I went to school with Joanne, we like our school the amount of emphasis that they put on math and science. Oh yeah, is is literally like you can't even imagine. Okay, to get a picture of how much emphasis they put on it is that our class me and Joanne's class or and actually all the um, other math classes we like it's really top this day okay because of how much pressure we had to do well and our what's it called depart what's his name <laughs> minister of education was like <laughs> I really liked him he was he was actually he really liked me but yeah he just had that kind of that push to that you have to do something math related or science related or something you know whether it's engineering or you know being a math teacher or something just something in that field of you know high ATAR and stuff like that and yeah subhanAllah I <laughs> I went against that I went against what I was originally going to do and I decided that my future or at least part of my future would be to you know kind of build the Muslim community and because I saw a lot of social issues that were happening and wanted to really give back because I know as the, you know the divine promise that Allah does continue to help slave as, as, as long as you continue to help others. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, so I
1: was... That's one of the things that oh, just... mashallah. Went. That actually gave me chills. Like, it's so, <laughs> it's so lovely and refreshing to see someone who actually goes against what they've been told their whole life yeah. to do something like that they're really mom, passionate about. Like, my
2: till this day, till this day, she's like, you should have done math. I was like,
1: "Mom, I, I'm in my third year of university. Yeah. <laughs> especially since you're someone who was probably really good at math as well. I no, Yeah,
2: our class literally topped the set because we were, like, it wasn't just changed. me, but yes. it was like the the teachers were just really good at teaching so it's
0: I remember like, yeah. I remember when we were in year 12 you know how like you always ask your friends like oh what are you gonna do at uni yeah it's I should always be like uh you know I don't really know yeah and I think I, I even had that um response most of year 12 as well so then when I did catch up with you after we had like started uni like I'm doing social work I was like damn I actually did not see that coming
2: yeah, mm. it but was
0: definitely unexpected. I, feel like is that, I mean, that's controversial, but
1: you know. <laughs> I feel like people undermine how much mental strength that you need to have to do social work, especially when you're around so many different types of people and you have to always yeah, hold it on is to ment- Actually,
2: Joanne visited on my, yeah. pa-
1: my oh, placement. I I yeah, yeah. What was that like? Let's,
0: I visited Aisha at uh, during her placement because it was really close to where I live. Just because I was so intrigued. I was like, I really wanted to... I, as a person in STEM, I feel like when it comes to like STEM jobs... We have like specific technical things to abide by, right? So there's like step A, B, C, D, E. So I wasn't really sure how that would extend to more humanities-based workplaces. Like, you know, when there's a lot of uh, working with people and dealing with, there are so many, just because of human nature, you know, things are so unexpected and ambiguous. So I really wanted to see how that happened in real time. So I did go and visit Aisha during when she was at work. So, yeah. do you want to actually tell us tell us about what that placement yeah. was yeah. like in general? Because um, that was so interesting. Yeah. yeah. So,
2: Joanne visits me at the end, so there wasn't like a lot of clients. But basically, my my placement was with uh, refugees and like immigrants and those who come on temporary visas. Some of my clients have been here for a while, so they're actual citizens, but they still like have trouble processing like sh- what's it called adjusting in Australia. Mm. Um, and so like I saw just being there, I saw so many. It was really inspiring. Like so many community issues. Like I had people, you know, they come here. Literally, they have nothing, and yeah, they have you know just the clothes on their backs, and they have they have so many things that they need to solve. Like they need housing. They they can't. They don't have working rights. They can't work here legally. And it was really, it was kind of heartbreaking in that way, but it made me, I guess, like, really grateful. It's so a panel that I, me and, you know, my Muslim friends and my family, we grew up in having that privilege coming to Australia without having to face any of that. Yeah, and there was, like, pretty interesting cases. I'd say that there was, like, s- literally, sus- I suspected a murder between a, oh, wow. t- oh, a, a husband and a wife. And uh, it, it was it does get very emotional Some and also some people come in and like, oh, my, you know, my wife took my children and uh, just fled the country and I don't know where they are and I want them mm. back and it there can be, it can be oh, like wow. emotional draining but the thing is I got so desensitised because after the thousandth like client, just uh, of course there was supervision, but our supervisor literally she, she wasn't there. Um, she Next <laughs> minute, she was she was Our supervisor, our my chair. No, our supervisor, like she wasn't really there. So I felt like at the beginning, I like I was drowning in all these people coming in. And, and you know, the funny thing is that I only speak English, right? And mm. the, my clients mm. speak. Like, <laughs> different languages I, Aisha was telling me that
0: she had picked up on some Arabic And yeah, I was like, a lot of, from where? And yeah, she was yeah. telling me stuff Like, it's, when you learn languages, there's the formal stuff you learn through like I knew the, like, the slang, because I yeah. spoke slang And the it's, thing is, I was like, okay, I'm learning formal Arabic But
2: this is different Like, I had to pick it up, I had to use it Because the people that were translators there, they were busy, okay mm. Because, um, as, as you know, guys know refugee centres and stuff and social work centres. They are very underfunded Mm. and they are very understaffed. Like our COO, as soon as I joined my placement, he left. And the previous social worker that was in that organisation, she left. And then right after I left, my supervisor left. Okay, so it's like a lot of staff turnover that's happening. Mm. It's very Mm. underfunded, under-resourced. We don't have enough things. and I feel like um, it's the case with
1: a lot of social organisations, not just social work like just even enterprise social enterprises is always such high turnover for some reason yeah yeah so it's kind of like it's like the entire workforce it's like there there needs to be a bit more stability yeah
2: Yeah. there isn't I felt like literally that I was while I was there in the in the beginning I felt like it was very draining but it did teach me resilience and I I wouldn't take it every second back I loved like Mm -hmm. the placement so much even though it, it did have its ups and downs but it was very like Yeah, it was, alhamdulillah, it was very rewarding.
1: How does, how is like an everyday life of a social worker, like how does the work look like? Like,
2: A lot of it is just literally problem solving. So depending on what area you get into, you're just there with with the client, whether you're... um, you know counseling with their needs uh, you 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 map out their needs so a lot of them need housing or they need money they need community they need social support they need domestic violence service they need a bunch of things right and you're just there kind of connecting them to these different mm-hmm. services and that's what I was kind of doing like yeah majority of the time anyway yeah it's quite fun and it's just a lot there's a lot of Inspiration that you can get your, from your clients with dealing with them because oh, wow. you know they come here. Even a lot of my clients were Muslim because they did come from like you know refugee backgrounds from Iraq and Afghanistan and stuff like that. So they kind of did really inspire me uh, in my like you know in my journey as a as a Muslim because they would go through such terrible 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 things, and they, despite all of that, they showed so much resilience and so much. Um, so much faith and, yeah, it was, it was really inspiring to just totally, see that. Yeah.
1: I feel like an inappropriate question to ask the Dawah co-lead is, you know, Dawah comes in many shapes and forms. You yeah. know, there's Dawah stalls, there's Dawah, even, you know, us walking around wearing a hijab, praying, that's Dawah. Yeah. So, you know, especially, like, you're someone, if you do social work, you meet all these types of people and you, you encounter, like, so many different stories in your life, like, every day. So how do you sort of... um incorporate dawa to to your daily workplace like how do you
2: mm, i think dawah is like for everyone and it's at every every moment so literally smiling at someone is an act of dawah and mm. it, it's you can do dawah to a muslim and you can do dawah to a non-muslim mm. so depending no matter what background they are you're you're there as whether it's social support or spiritual support reminding them about you know that this life is temporary that life is a test and you know that Mm. there is after hardship there is there is always ease in reassuring them and stuff like that you can you can do that and even if you don't like give them that spiritual support uh, if you say it's a non-muslim and whether it's at the dawah stores or it's in class or it's at work or it's at you know my in my social work field they're a non-muslim how do how would i how would we give dawah right it doesn't have to be through those spiritual minds. It can just literally be just being there for them, just showing that you have, you're that social support for them. That, And say they, they debrief and they've... Uh, this actually happens at dawah stores. People come up to you and it's they, they've gone through some trauma and they just speak about it and you just, you're just there and you just listen to them, okay? You don't have to no. talk about God. You don't have to... Unless, you know, they're open to it, you can go into that conversation. But say that they don't want to listen, they don't want to talk about religion, they just want you to listen to them. You can do that in, like, any field, if, whether that's at work or with your friends or on the street, literally strangers. Like, that's happened to me with strangers. <laughs> um, and quite it's actually quite common, especially living, like, in Australia. I feel like everyone would have that their, their own stories about how they would give dawah, subtle dawah, even if it's just a smile or just, you know, the way, you, like, just wearing a hijab
0: itself is an act of dawah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, when it comes to giving dawah, it's really personal. Yeah. Each person has their own skill set and a certain field in dawah that they excel in. And, yeah, we have that opportunity, alhamdulillah, UNSW, with our dawah stores, but sometimes that's not everyone's cup of tea and the best way to go about giving dawah yeah. I know like for myself I was at the dawah stores a few times but it's like it just I wasn't I found that I've been able to give better dawah in different situations not I, when
1: yeah I like yeah I'm just continuing on from what you're saying like I like it when it's more of like a it's sort of it's more I feel like it's more organic to have it like organic <laughs> that's the word I use but like when you actually say for example you're in a workplace or you're walk, walking around and then like you meet that person you already know who you're talking to and then they're just... And then they just... It's just a normal conversation. And then they start slipping in, like, stuff about your hijab, stuff about your religion. Feel like, it's a lot more natural. Yeah. Rather than standing at a store where you have people coming up to you, you don't really know their background, you don't know how they're like, you don't know what they're yeah, but in, thinking. in saying that, there are other people
0: that thrive. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, for, me, for me, for me personally... For them, they yeah. have the skills. And it's so inspiring to yeah, actually mashallah. watch the people at our store strike up a conversation out of nowhere and go really delve into uh, these different topics.
1: Yeah, mashallah. Like, you know, inshallah, we all... You you know, get enough knowledge for us to be able to be confident in, you know, answering questions like when it's coming, like snapping that, at us. Yeah, that's
2: definitely true that everyone like has their own avenue of giving dawah and because at the end of the day that is an act of worship. Everyone has their own role in Allah's given them. And I wouldn't say that I, even though like I'm a dawah curly, that I'm the best at giving, you know, stu- uh, dawah at the stores. But I guess, like, we're all on our own journeys, and I'm still on my own journey finding, you know, what's, what's good for me? I mean, like, what's, what's my role in this? Or why is Allah giving me this position? And uh, what is my role as a Muslim? What's, how do I worship Allah the best? Is it, you know, through my degree? Is it through that? Is it through working in the community? Is it all, like, just studying Islamic knowledge? There's so many ways that we can do dawah, and... It's not, of, of course, it's not everyone's cup of tea to have an intellectual conversation. Yeah. <laughs> at the dawah store, especially if they're, you know, coming there to debate you, um, it's, not, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Even though, I guess there is a kind of a misconception that that's what happens really all the time at dawah stores. It's not. A lot of the people are just literally have no, like, no clue about Islam or just, they just want to know, you know, like why you you know why you're here or why you're wearing hijab or they have it, there's very simple things that they ask and that's what I love about like the dawa stores is that you don't even have to talk about you know your religion to connect with them or to give dawa. Yeah, Alhamdulillah that there's quite it's been quite successful. We've had like mm. literally three rivets this year, but like n- not none through sure me, none enough. through me. But like yeah, it's it's, bit, sh- sh- it's just through that subtle dawa. It wasn't even like you know t- debating or yeah. stuff like that. That's not like. True, I
1: guess. <laughs> um, I'm, <laughs> sorry. I'm still really fascinated by your social work uh, stories. Like, I really, if you're comfortable with sharing, what was one of the cases that really stuck with you that really that you will remember for the rest of your life? Uh, well, I think all of them, but I think
2: like one of the main ones that kind of did inspire me uh, was this lady, she came here she came here on a temporary visa uh, to support her brother and so she got that visa because she needed to support her brother and as soon as she came here her brother died so she she had no visa and she was basically you know she wasn't supposed to be in australia and she came she came to us you know our center and she didn't speak English, so there had to be like people translating what she was saying, and it was just—it was so heartbreaking that she literally couldn't, because of her visa status, like because she had no visa, she couldn't get electricity for her home. She couldn't. She couldn't get, do basic things like she didn't have any working rights. She, it was really struggling. Despite all of, uh, despite all of that, she had so much. Like tawak, so much hope, and yeah. she would make she would inspire Cheers. me because she would make dua. She would constantly be in I was like, how do you do it? Like, how your life is like this, and you have you know, looking forward. There's not much, and it's like you're kind of stuck because you can't really go anywhere. Right, you're just stuck here. And we even applied for her like to get her like cat and she wasn't like some reason they just didn't accept her, so she couldn't go forward with that and yeah and like despite all of that she would still have this you know this this trust and this she would still be happy like she wasn't always you know uh like depressed or whatever yeah like she kind of stood out to me a lot and yeah there I was you.
0: You. i
1: feel like it, you know it's such an eye-opening experience it makes you realize what you have like you know if you're complaining if you're like down like if you're like you know not in the best mood and then like you're in a situation where you're like why why is this happening to me you can go around talking to anybody else in the world there'll be someone in poverty yeah. right now someone you know there's someone in a situation there's always going to be someone in a situation that's worse than you yeah. where they will they will want to switch places with you in a heartbeat be literally yeah there's, there's always going to be someone else in that situation
2: it like, just makes you like super grateful just like we thinking it, it that if like we actually that, yeah. think about
0: it like, Alhamdulillah we are living in so much privilege yeah, yeah what a rewarding um, workplace mashallah like yeah, you
1: know, yeah uh, like we need <laughs> yeah I feel like you
0: know, more people need to get into honestly it, we need to raise, like, <laughs> raise awareness
1: we need
2: to raise
1: awareness we need to advocate more For social work Because we definitely Need more Muslim women In social work Like honestly I never Agree even thought about do. it I genuinely never even Thought about you know, it I As a career path But now like well, Based off what you were saying Like it literally Sounds like something what, are you can change Your degree now bro, I don't degree. even like my degree I <laughs> changed <achievement laughs> my major Like I, d- I did every single major There Calm. is <laughs> I'll wish. invite
0: you So we see how there's A direct link Between how your degree Has Influenced Your relationship With your religion And vice versa mm-hmm what advice would you give for other people who might not see that direct link between what they're studying and their religion? But I'm sure you might have some words of wisdom on how we can still turn educate our educational journey into a form of ibadah.
2: Yeah. SubhanAllah, the beauty of Islam is that like no matter what you're doing, it, um, as long as it's not haram, it can be an act of worship. All, that effort of, all the effort you put in studying and those late nights that can be considered an act, of, an act of worship as long as your intention is there. So say no matter like what degree you're doing, there is, always, there is always an avenue to make it for the sake of Allah, like whether it's your representation, if it's, you know, STEM subject, you're showing, you're showing the world that Muslim women can be smart, you know, and no matter what you're doing, you're there, if you make your intention, I'm going to empower the ummah, I'm going to show people that, we can participate in society as muslims and whether you work in non-muslim or muslim you know a place a workforce you're you're giving back to you know the community or whether you're a teacher you're empowering those little kids giving them knowledge you're basically giving s- sadaqah kajaria, showing that you're you're also a muslim female teaching like no matter what you're doing there is you can have that t- intention so and saying that, like, when you're at uh, when you're at uni, it shouldn't be your primary primary focus. Like, don't let it ever make you compromise your acts. You know, your acts of worship. Or if say that you want to seek knowledge, or you want to you know learn Quran or Tajweed or whatever, don't let it be it get in your way. So just saying that, although it can be your, you know a, an act of worship no matter what you're doing. Yeah, just don't let it get in the way of stuff like that. You know what's
0: so beautiful about that as well? Once you switch your intention, everything you do related to it will automatically yeah. will have barakah mm-hmm. and it.
2: And you, you get that barakah. And subhanAllah, like even just reflecting, a lot of people say this, even just reflecting on your uni journey, you find that the times that you were actually the most like busy, jam-packed, like in terms of uni life if you were doing something there for the sake of allah whether it was a class you mm-hmm. give back to community you were doing dawah, you were you were, you were like super busy in th- in that aspect because you were trying to do things for the sake of allah you'll only find that there was barakah in that
0: mm-hmm. that
2: time you actually got like really you did really well in your degree even though even though you weren't focusing on that much or uh, you just feel that also this sense of contentment in this this sense of uplifting that what you're doing is for a higher purpose you know when you look at people around here you know all the atheists i just don't want to talk bad about them but you know they're here you know with the dawah stores we ask them and you're like what is your purpose like what are you here for and they they don't know how to answer they just say i'm here because i i want to get a job i want to work for the government you know i'm a slave to the government or whatever mm. they're here to get money they're trying to find their happiness through somehow and they just don't know how to find that happiness and they it's like a never-ending goal they're trying to chase happiness but they can never find it because they can't they can't connect it to their true purpose they know deep inside the true purpose it's just the future has been clouded and they've kind of lost they've kind of lost and you just need to be there to kind of remind them and i think everyone needs that reminder even muslims themselves need that reminder they need that reminder
1: that was so wow. beautifully worded. Honestly, like that really did change my perspective on like the way I do things in general. Like, like you know, often we get so caught up in what we're doing. We f- we sometimes, even though we pray, we sometimes forget our intentions. We forget to actually, like I personally yes. forget to purify my intentions and do everything for the sake of Allah. Like, I'm sometimes I'm just doing something casually, but you know, or I'm just standing there. I could do zikr or something, you know. Like, there's there's always ways that I can. This it's so easy. Like, you know, it's so getting hasanat. It's so simple. We just have to. Utilise and we always have to remember Allah all the time If I'm just standing there, I could easily do dhikr Or if I'm, whatever I do, you can always link it to Like, you know, the intention To please Allah, so we just always have to remember to do that And I feel like this is definitely a great reminder Yeah,
0: one of my teachers told me If there's something you have to do Anyway, right, like I'm going to have to be commuting to this place anyway Switch yeah. up your intention behind it So if I'm yeah. going to class, I'm going to uni Like, I'm already going to be On the train, I'm mm. already going to be on the light rail Anyway, exactly, yeah. why don't I Get some benefit out of it, and it's like that whole time I'm commuting to this place. It's I'm benefiting from it because I know that the place I'm getting to is going to help me ultimately in furthering my relationship with Allah and my religion Mm -hmm. and all other aspects related to that.
1: Yeah, people forget how easy it is actually to gain Hasanat. Like Allah is so merciful; you literally just have to change your intention and you get rewarded. You know, yeah, hundred percent. Obviously, like we're in this dunya, like in this world where you know. Some people, like, you know, it's not made for us, you know, Muslims, you know, but we're always going to be questioned. But we also have to realise, like, it's so easy. It's so easy to just, you know, be rewarded. It's so easy to remember Allah. Yeah, subhanAllah. And, I feel like, and like all that
2: struggle for something that you did, if you just switched your intention, you, you'll just see that on your, your scale on the Day of Judgment. You'll also see the reward in this life as well. That's the beauty. That's the mercy of Islam, how it's so unconditional. You'll see the reward in this life and you'll also see it in the next for everything you do
1: uh, well, yeah. yeah thanks so much for that really thank changed you. my
0: perspective I absolutely loved having you on that was um, I think that brings us to the end of our episode
1: yeah thank you so much for sharing thank you Aisha for us. joining us
0: um,
1: yeah it I was a joy <laughs>
0: Was
2: definitely not put on here by compulsion. <laughs> she <laughs> had every field. By me, compulsion, yeah. you know. It was my. I'm joking. No, oh I came bro. on for my free will.
1: I'm so my glad you did. It was so nice to hear it. I'm sorry to keep you waiting before we form a trophy.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> I Alright, and now we sign off. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik Ashhadu an la <laughs> ilaha <laughs> illa ant. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.